welcome to Singled Out, your ninth best gaming podcast. Please stand by. Well, there are some goblins in it. There's a well, goblin, there's, there's a, there's there's a wardens, scene. but they're they're kind of like orcs, orcs, aren't they? Rather than rather than goblins, aren't they? I like to think that the orcs are the 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 goblins are the leaders, and then the marauders sort of follow them around. I want the goblins to be the guys up in those big those big sort of suits they have. Oh, so they are. So they yeah, there's the grunt bots which do have goblins the inside. Rippers. Oh no, the rippers. No, they are. They're the normal, unless they've got. Unless they're goblins with massive heads. and It's basically the version of, version of sort of four people in a trench coat, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. So we, Five Fight's coming out, like, soon? Yeah, April 19th. And it looks quite exciting. Uh, it's second edition, isn't it, nominally? Is that correct? Yeah, so um, it's the second edition, although actually, I guess there's so many changes compared to first yeah, edition. Yeah, that's what I said, because it's kind of like first edition, really? Or yeah. Really? Not really. I mean, calling it the second edition suggests that it's it builds upon a game that's around a lot or it's very similar to, but it's not, is it really? No, I'd say it's, it, I guess it's comparable to dead zone first and second when I guess there was some stuff in common there. There was commonality there where obviously you had the grids in second edition and in first, but actually the game was totally different, I think. So it's probably more like that, I guess. So yeah, second edition in name, but actually pretty much a completely new game from the ground up. Oh, we are recording now, by the way. That's fine. Yeah. Um this is Rob. Rob is a mantic person. I don't even know what your job is to be honest, Rob. Oh, it changes all the time. Let's say today I'm community manager. Community manager, okay. Um yeah, so Rob, Rob's basically in charge of describing uh Mantic in positive terms to, to the world. Um and talking about the launch of Firefly, which is coming out in April, like uh, as you said. It's a sci fi skirmish game well say skirmish not it's got math sort of a squad based I'd squad say. based 28 yeah. millimeter isn't it um game um so what is firefight and where's where's it set and what's going on with it and stuff okay wow you got that opening with the big questions there well so, yeah explain to me the entire, the entire game and i can put on mute for half an hour <laughs> so firefight like we said is a is a squad based like sci-fi uh, war game pretty much um and it's sort of it's around f- playable for about 40 to 50 miniatures, depending upon what faction you, you take. Um, and then you're on a four by four table and then there's all different scenarios and things like that. And pretty much you're trying to destroy each other in terms of where it's set. It is set in our Warpath universe. So that's like the collective term for all our sci fi kind of games. So from Overdrive to Star Saga to Firefight, Dead Zone and up to Warpath. Uh, they're all set in this kind of Warpath universe. And it's not sort of like the there's always war, sort of dark and moody. It's kind of future. shiny, isn't it? Yeah, well, it is in some areas. So it, it's basically, you imagine, like, humanity's gone a bit mad. 
capitalism is has won the day and in the future now corporations own entire planets or entire solar systems pretty much and they exploit these solar systems for their resources um, and they have their own standing armies in the case of the GCPS but of course as they as they, as they have reached further out into the stars they've come across different alien races and come into conflict with those so firefight tells those bigger conflicts whereas dead zone is a smaller sort of urban skirmishes this is like the slightly bigger like full-on kind of warfare when you've got like lots of kind of squads all fighting against each other uh for a different objective basically so um Looking through the rules, um, it's interesting how, how it works out. Uh, the, the main premise of the game is um, it's um, squad-based, as you said. Um, a few things stood out to me. First of all, the way you sort of... Um, well, I'll start on the bigger scale, first of all. So first of all, the game is based upon um, auto activations. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's you move a squad, they move the squads, and you sort of take it in turns until you're all done. Um, there's command points in it, so you get a pool of them per turn, which can be dependent upon your... your um, your leader as well as basically what you roll, you kind of roll them each turn. Uh, and you can spend them to do various jagged things like double activate different two units at once and, and use some unique uh, powers to their to their um, to their sort of uh, army. For example, you know, uh, orders to make your men move, shoot, move, for example, that sort of thing. Um, and also the fact that the measurement, so even at squad based, everything's kind of measured from from a leader, isn't it? So like if you've got say a squad of five five soldiers you you measure the the distance from from the leader and the other people around them basically aren't really used for any sort of um measurements yeah that's right so that would that comes down to um as we sort of said this this is firefight second edition and i think <clears throat> one of the issues we found with firefight first edition was really that was sort of there was a warpath kickstarter basically where mantic at the time was creating like this big large scale war game with movement trays. It's a bit more like Kings of War, I guess, sci-fi Kings of War. And people, some people were a bit like, oh, actually, I wish there was a smaller version that stood in between Warpath and Dead Zone. And then, so I think, as far as I recall, during the Kickstarter, Firefight was sort of created as part of that. But I think the problem was, is that the rules for Warpath 1 went from Warpath down rather than from Dead Zone up. So if you imagine the, the most logical place for people to start in the sci-fi stuff is probably with dead zone they would get dead zone they would then want to move up to firefight and a lot of the time they were like wait a minute these rules aren't anything like i'm used to this unit behaves in a totally different way um so with firefight second edition we thought well actually let's rip it all up go back to drawing board and say okay well we'll start we'll assume that people have got into dead zone i've got quite a lot of miniatures and then like oh actually i'd quite like to now scale it up with 20 or 30 more get myself a cool vehicle and then play from there. So with that in mind, we really wanted to make sure it played really fast. And one of the big things from Dead Zone is obviously you've got the grids. So it's grid based movement and measuring, which is super quick and that helps it be quick. So we wanted to kind of replicate that in some way. Couldn't do it with grids. So that's where we came up with this idea that, OK, do all the measurements from the leader so you quickly can move them around take line aside from them and, and do that. So that was a reason for doing that method of, of movement. Yeah, so basically you move your lead, say if your leader wants to move forward and shoot, basically move the leader and then everyone sort of teleports to within three inches of him, don't they, effectively? Yeah, so you keep them in coherency. So as units get bigger, so 
because what you can do is, although it's typically you'll find that you're in squads of five, and in their unit profiles, they'll say, OK, it's a squad of five. But then you can actually add more to them. So when you've got horde armies, you can pay extra to say like the Veermin, for example. Um, you can actually get a squad of five stalkers and then you can pay. I can't remember how many points is now. Let's say it's 10 points to keep adding more and more stalkers to them. Uh, and then if you do get over 10 models, then you've got a coherency of six inches because obviously it's quite hard to get them all near the leader. Uh, but even so, you're still then, you're still moving the leader and then kind of uh, charging forward the rest of your uh, miniatures. I'm glad you mentioned Kings of War because one thing that I love about Kings of War is is how fast it is. But also, there's a lot of meaningful decisions you can you can you know tactical decisions you can make it take. But also, it's it's so quick. You know, a six yeah. turn game, you're looking at an hour per person. Um, I mean, with the tournament we went to recently, of course, a thousand points, and it was what was it quarter of an hour each? Was it? In the last, in the last <laughs> round, it was fifteen minutes each. Okay, that was probably a bit too short. But a bit too fast. <laughs> um, but the other rounds were like twenty five minutes a player, um, and you know, it was there was even as a small game for context purposes, a thousand points, Kings of War, where games normally two thousand or or two three hundred thereabouts. Yeah, but a thousand. So in in some games, I think scaling it down wouldn't work so well. Uh, but it, I always found that even the small points games, Kings of War, it was fast and meaningful. Yeah. Uh, one problem I have with a lot of sort of sci-fi games um, on the market, especially the big one, really, is that you move and fire, you move and fire. It's like, what am I actually doing other than moving forward and rolling dice? Um, and looking for five fights is quite interesting because, first of all, it being auto activation is very good because you always can respond to someone else. Um, also, you have quite a tight sort of set of scenarios. So it's all about controlling the control yeah. board and, and, and controlling, but also the way uh, that assaults work because um, assaults basically sort of close combat in the game. I find it very interesting how if you move forward and attack someone, that burns up their activation. So if you attack a unit um, first, they're done for the turn. So you can do th- clever things like sort of uh, effectively knock a unit out of the activation order, control a bit of the board, um, and sort of. Um, control space and opponent because they get because you opponent can still activate the models they can respond to it in kind and i think the back and forth makes it very interesting yeah i think so everything is we really want it to be dynamic because like you say there's if it was just sort of i go you go there'd be nothing worse than sitting back and watching your arm what you're doing is rolling what you're doing, doing is rolling out to each other at that point right yeah so we, we want to always avoid that so ultimate activation is always a big thing and also and you mentioned these earlier, this idea of the command points as well. So that's a little bit like if you've played Vanguard, where we've got the power dice, you roll your, so your leader generates dice, and then you also get kind of three standard dice as well per turn. You roll those, that generates your command point. So say you've got six points, you can then spend them in the turn to do special orders. Um, so some of them will be unique to your faction. So for example, the Veermin, their ones are all about getting in close to the enemy and, and attacking because that's what they're good at. Whereas the enforcers are more about improving their shooting. So that's one way where you can sit there and respond to what your opponent is doing. Because if you're like, oh, wait a minute, I don't like the look of this flank. OK, well, I'm going to use my orders over this side and do that. Um, you can also got you've also got like commander point, uh, orders as well. And they are specifically where if you've got a commander model, you can run them up, run them up. <clears throat> or run them behind another unit, kind of trigger your command aura. And some of them will be instant effects, and then others will be a bit like auras. So you've got a bubble of kind of their influence, where it might be that people get better at shooting or people get better at combat when they're near them. 
So that does help it to be, you know, a little bit more responsive rather than just kind of sitting there, sitting back and, and waiting to get killed. So you can react. Yeah, I think anything worse than sort of sitting back and seeing your opponent take your toys off. I mean, a lot of the guns in Firefight are relatively short ranged. I think the guns long, longer than 34 inches is kind of rare. In fact, most of the shorts <clears> yeah. I mean, the average sort of the average sort of rifle like gun is like a like an 18 or 12 inch range gun. Um, so I mean, you're going to get chances to respond to things rather than having your toys taken off the first turn where Bird looks at you and was dice. Um, yeah, and a bit like you were talking about the sorry, a bit like the assaults as well, because you were saying about how you can purposely charge someone in, and then they've got the choice, they've got the option of doing an assault reaction. So that could be something like firing, running away, or something like that. But once they've done that. That's their turn. They're marked as activated yeah, as well. Yeah, assaults are powerful, really powerful. Like it, some, some way seems to be like an assault-based game because you can force prone to run away off objectives to controlling, which is quite a big part of the game, controlling yeah. objectives and stuff. <clears throat> and a buzzer activation. Then again, once you've assaulted yourself, you're then prone to get assaulted back. Yes, um, exactly. yeah, because you do, you do fight. So if you, if you charge into combat, you, you get to fight first. So I would roll all my dice, and then, but then if you survive, you get to fight back as well. So you could actually kind of weaken the opponent as, uh, if you kind of manage to survive. And then you could do cunning things like, you know, you can maybe maybe uh, shoot someone first with the unit and then spend a command point to take another activation straight away afterwards and then do, use them to assault the unit you've shot at and or, 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 or use the activation to respond back to an assault. There's lots of different things you can do back and forth in terms of spending command points to sort of have the initiative in a certain situation. Yeah, and you've, um, you've also got two, so a bit like Dead Zone, if, if you've played Dead Zone, in Dead Zone you have you can do two short actions or one long action a turn. So that might be a long action is something like a sprint. So a sprint, if you sprint, you sprint into combat, that then counts as a charge and you get bonuses. But obviously what you can do is you can do two short actions. Now you can't repeat the same one, so you can't do two shoots. But what you could potentially do is you could shoot a unit as one short action and then use another short action to advance and basically, as soon as you advance into contact with an enemy, you start a combat. So what you could do is you could shoot at them, weaken them, and then kind of move in for the kill with an assault action. So you've got that option as well if, if you're close enough. So um, who are the armies uh, in this sort of this world then? Who do we have? So there's seven uh, armies at launch. You've got the – now this is – I'm always a bound to forget once. I'm going to count them on my fingers. You've got Asterians. Asterians are this kind of ancient race. I guess they're comparable to space elves, I guess. And what they do is they use a lot of mechs and droids. Uh, they're kind of space high-tech. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't call them space elves as such because they're not particularly similar to anything else I've seen in, in other armies. But they're sort of uh, allies of different of different, uh, different races and very high-tech. Um, yeah so yeah so yeah very high tech what they do is because not not many things isn't it yeah because there's not many of them left they have these things called ciphers which they so the the austerian people are up in the kind of ships in orbit kind of controlling them mentally uh uh while the robots do the fighting for them so they don't die so they don't put themselves in danger so you've got those austerians and then they kind of ally with the matsudan who are these big sort of like sumo wrestling space lizards so they, uh, kind of, they, they kind of got sort of alloy races, have they? Sort of vassals, vassal races they have under their sort of under their banner, basically. Yeah. So the Matsudan's an interesting one because the Matsudan was sort of uh, tricked by the GCPS and the so can not a lot of the races in in Firefighter are, are kind of in constant war with each other. Basically, what there are they can treaty and they can you know they probably have trade routes and that sort of stuff. So the Asterians probably do trade with the humans. 
they don't want all out kind of open warfare, but they've sort of kind of tricked the Matsudan to work with them as well and potentially kind of get in the combat with them. So that's quite interesting how that works, that dynamic. Um, you've got the Forge Fathers. So they are, well, I mean, they, they are dwarfs pretty much. Um, pretty much. I mean, yeah, they, yeah. they are dwarfs. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> so, they, so they are, they, what they specialise in is mining and they will <clears throat> pretty much go into a planet absolutely strip it of all the resources and potentially even destroy the planet as well so they don't really care they they are sort of very much power hungry uh resource kind of hungry as well very good at technology heavily armored as you'd expect i guess from the dwarfs um and they've got big they've got sort of the big tanks and those kind of things that you'd like to see in a dwarf list for uh, gcps so they were ones we mentioned earlier that's humanity so um, a lot of the corporations have these standing armies on planets and often the GCPS are the first ones to kind of deal with the conflict. So that could be the local population decides, hey, wait a minute, we don't like the humanity being here, we're going to kill them. Uh, or they could get invaded by someone like the Asterians or the Forge Fathers. You've got the Enforcers who are more like superhumans. So they are, you've got an organisation called the Council of Seven who is in charge of the GCPS. So the, G- the, G- so the GCPS is the sort of humanities sort of um, sphere of all the different corporations that kind of run run humanity, basically. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. So, you know, let's say in the future, Coca-Cola might would probably have its own army because they would want to go and they'd have a planet where they're probably making all their you know futuristic Coca-Cola and they would have an army to protect their factories. And oh, that's, that's, that's going to happen as well. I look, I look forward to Disney having SWAT teams. <laughs> that's going to happen, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Disney dead zones. Um, oh, God. <laughs> so, so whereas the GTBS are sort of like the standard humans, the uh, enforcers are more the superhumans. They're in these kind of really high-tech suits. They have slightly better technology as well, better at shooting. Um, and that's because they're, they're typically sent in to dead zones by the Council of Seven to deal with outbreaks of the plague. Uh, so, what, and what's, so what are dead zones then, and what's the plague? So, dead zones are so the plague. The reason why we well, the, this goes back to the original dead zone. Uh, the plague is this really kind of infectious disease that turns people into bloodthirsty monsters, pretty much. No one's quite sure where it's come from. It's really contagious. So, what was happening was, is when kind of the GCPS was encountering these, typically they would start with it, they discover an, a big monolith. And then the next minute, everyone's getting sick and turning into monsters. So the only answer to that was to literally lock down the planet and stop the plague kind of getting off the planet. Because they still they still have some intelligence, not a lot, but they can still kind of potentially operate like spaceships and stuff to get off the planet, which would then infect other ones. So the Council of Seven had the enforcers who were then used to go in and eradicate the plague. So they're kind of like the the kind of strong arm of the council sent in to deal with major threats like the plague. But then actually now dead zones are kind of declared for all sorts of reasons. It could be that, yes, you've got a plague outbreak. It could be that you've got something like the vermin, who were like the space rats. You could have an infestation of those. And in that case, you know, they would close down the planet. And it's not always the planet. It could be that they close down a continent or something like that. So, um, yeah, dead zones are kind of an opportunity for people to exploit whatever resources are left when the dead zone is declared because once it's declared you know it's wiped off all the star maps it no longer exists so it's pretty much fair game for people to to take advantage of 
Oh, so it gets, it gets quarantined so we yes. it to sort of scavenge it, basically. Yeah, but its containment protocols are in, yeah. uh, kind of initiated. And then after that, once that's done, then anyone can kind of go and, and try and, you know, find, you know, say the secret weaponry there. Or they can try and get those and, and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, the, the dead zones are, are a free for all pretty much of people to start fighting. Otherwise, we have the um, Marauders. Yeah, so the Marauders are the collection of greenskins. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like, it's mainly goblins. Goblins, with goblins some, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, but we've just done the new hard plastic marauders. So the orc commandos, um, they were something that had been asked for for a long time. And previously they'd been in uh, PVC for Dead Zone. And now we've done the hard plastics for those, which is really cool. Um, and actually the, the marauders used to be used by the corporations as like mercenaries. And then there was this big thing called the Mandrake Rebellion when it all kicked off and the orcs nearly got wiped out. But anyway, that's 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 a longer story for why they're doing that. Uh, the plague, like I've said, they're the kind of bloodthirsty monsters. So they're sort of like your beasties, your gribblies in that one. And then finally, you've got the vermin, who are the space rats, who have all this kind of experimental technology full of chemicals and, and stuff that would kill a human normally, but somehow they seem immune to it. OK, so there's um, quite a few factions that launched there. Really. You'll say at launch, it's, it's been out technically for, for, for a while, hasn't it, really? Um... Yeah, I, I think the, the good thing is, is because... I think it's fair to say that Firefight First Edition didn't it didn't necessarily hit the ground running. Let's say you know it didn't get the kind of not enough people played it. I think so for a lot of people these are totally new. This is a totally new launch with totally new armies that they've never seen before, and that's what we're seeing actually from the from the kind of reaction we're getting so far. People are like, oh wow, I, I didn't really realise. I sort of maybe people had heard of Dead Zone, but they didn't realise actually how fleshed out the rest of the range was. It, it's actually the sci-fi hard plastics we've got are, are kind of comparable to Kings of War. You know, I mean, some of the models are fantastic, like the Vermin tunneling machines, because fantastic sort of giant drills they've got, absolutely superb models. Yeah, and that's hard plastic, and, and that's one of those things that kind of and before people were people were buying it for other game systems, I think, rather than actually using it for firefight. And some of the flyers, like the the the, um, the Enforcer flyer they have, um, some, of the, some of the flying vehicles I think all the factions have look really, really cool, kind of sleek. Mm. Um, sort of flying machines, and I guess are they all hard plastic or some of them resin? Uh, no, they're all the so pretty much all the actually yeah all the vehicles are hard plastic. So uh, from the like I say from the Enforcer Interceptor to the GTPS Mule and the Hornet, they're all hard plastic. And I think that was another reason for us wanting to kind of do a second edition because we although we had although we were using a lot of the hard plastic infantry in uh, Dead Zone. We had all these really awesome vehicles that were kind of just sitting there on the shelf and weren't really doing a lot with them. So we thought, oh, actually, you know, let's get these on, let's get these on the tabletop and actually get people playing with them. Yeah, we're looking at the game basically. I look for things in war games like uh, like counterplay and speed, and the things got both those. The rules are fairly simple. Like I'm looking at the, the rulebook here. I think it, the rulebook total is uh, get rid of all the fluff um, parts of the book, uh, so I can count the page numbers more easily. I think you're looking at about. 35 pages for the rules that goes everything including the scenarios yeah that's a big thing i think for you know we i think we like to have fairly simple rules you know you mentioned kings of war actually it doesn't take long to explain a game of kings of war i think what what you've got to then to get good at it you then got to get used to things like flanks and positioning and i think that'll be the same in this one it won't take long to explain it but it'll be how you use your command orders how you use the activations and that sort of stuff is where the sort of skill will come 
rather than you sort of burying your head in a book and, and trying to work out how to play all the time. So looking at the, the book here, the scenario book says you're looking at between a thousand and one thousand two hundred fifty fifty points for four by four table. Um, so you're looking at a thousand points or yeah, one thousand two hundred fifty four four by four table. Um, so I did a points breakdown of box contents. Um, the starter box, both t- armies about about three hundred sixty. Um, so, so that's not fine. That's wrong. Eight hundred sixty. Yeah. yeah. Um, depending on what you use for compo- uh, sort of weapon loadouts and things, that's assuming you have a commander in the unit uh, by doing some proxying. Um, if you put a flyer in there as well, you've got then almost a thousand points. I think I think it's like nine hundred and eighty points ish. Yeah, I think in the in the book in the starter set we've got a little uh, starter guide which kind of does tell you what armies to build. And yeah, I think it does come up to about eight fifty. So you're looking so. at quite a chunk, quite a good chunk of the army actually there and then. Um, if you're looking at that sort of sort of game, I mean, you can play on a six by four for a larger points value. Um, but I think you know, not everyone's got a sort of a six by four table lying around nowadays. No, you know? I, I personally I like it, and I did play testing at four by four. I like that sort of size of a game. And I think that that always so typically if you're playing like a thousand point game, it's maybe 90 minutes to finish the game, I'd say roughly, uh, which is still quite quick. I think well, it is quick, actually, compared to some other ones. Um, and obviously, as soon as you start to scale up above that, then, yeah, the game does become you know, for probably 1500 points. It's probably more like two hours, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Games can get can get crazy length after a while. And, um, you know, I think. Um... Maybe it's me being a sort of forty-year-old dad now, but huh. anything longer than two hours, I can't bother anymore. <laughs> it's like yeah, I, I know what you, you mean. Go, I, go I, bad. I like, yeah, <laughs> I like I like that sort of. To me, that that sweet spot is an hour to an hour and a half, and I think that's great because potentially, if you want, if you take a club, you've got room there for a couple of games. Uh, yeah, in yeah, evening. yeah. Uh, or or in an afternoon, you could easily do two games, which is great, and I think that's what you want because, like you were saying there, you know, I'm the same. I don't get a lot of time to play games. So when I do play them, I want to maximise the amount of time I've got and get two or three games in. So um, that's the launch in, in April. So what are the plans after that? Yeah, so obviously we've got the kind of initial launch and that actually from launch, because we've, we've, we've got such a big back catalogue, everything's available, you know, all the vehicles, everything for all seven factions. So I think once we've got the launch app kind of done, I think then it will be making sure that people are playing it, you know, going out to stores, doing demos, going out to shows, doing demos as well, just to get people playing. And then we're already looking at next year of potentially new hard plastics. I guess that's, you know, that's the most obvious thing, you know, to do new armies. There is another um, army that was has been in playtesting, but isn't in the rule book. And I think we'd like to release that one next year as well. So um, I had a nice try. So you nearly got me there, Andrew. Hey. <laughs> I, I tell you, I, well, no, I'm not going to tell you. Uh, I know you're <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean that was a, that. So I think we'd love to expand the range with different with different models because obviously the great thing is is when we put them in this, well, it means they can also go into Dead Zone as well. So it's quite a, it's a nice virtuous circle where you get new stuff for both games as well and can kind of either people jump in a Dead Zone or they can jump in a Firefight. Because it's, it's, I think a big thing for me was I, I played a lot of Kings of War, you know, and obviously we played at that tournament. And when I've been doing my goblin army, you know, I'll do a horde of goblins. That's 40 miniatures I've got to paint. And I do that. That's one unit worth 125 points. 
And I'm like, wow, you know, that's if you're playing 2,300 points, you know, that's not even 10% of your army. So it was an absolute, it was a bit of a revelation for me when I was doing Firefight because I've never done a big sci-fi game before. When I painted up 40 enforcers and I was like, wow, that that's almost it. You know, that's kind of it for my infantry options. I mean, 40 enforcers is probably more than you even need. I mean, the yeah. box set has how many that has 20 enforcers in it. Yeah, uh, that's right. and that's that's like you know eight sixty points you're looking at. Yeah. That. So yeah. It, so is that, so I think for me now it's actually well it, it's not. Whereas I think starting a new Kings of War army feels like a bit of a commitment because you're like right okay I'm going to knuckle down I'm going to get on with it. Actually for firefight I've got a Veerman army I've got my enforcers and I'm now looking at marauders and thinking well I probably can do these it's quite easy. Yeah, yeah, I think it's that sort of nice sweet spot between having a large scale game, right, mm. but not being not being too big. Um, yeah, uh, you're not you're not gonna. I, th- I think it'd be very unlikely even for a horde based army like uh, GCPS or or other ones where you, you give me look at all more as we're looking at 100 men. I don't think it's gonna happen. Oh uh, no, I mean, I, I, so I was uh, I, I was playing with the Vimin yesterday and that, I had 850 points and didn't really have much of the big stuff in. It was mainly like troops, and I think that was forty. That was about fifty models, and that's a horde army, but that was eight hundred and fifty points. So, uh, yeah, not. I don't think you you'll be struggling to get to a hundred. I think. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the temptation for any war game is to is to have multiples of everything, so you can do different army selections and things. But even hmm. then, I mean, the army selection is quite flexible, isn't it, in terms of how it works? Yeah. So the way the way it works is you've basically got. Uh, troops specialists and support and then commanders so commanders are you always start with one free commander that you don't have to unlock and then after that it's you know troops unlock specialists and then a combination of troops and specialists can unlock support so you basically allocate them to how you want to do that so the contact supports basically like tanks isn't it uh, yes big big walking roboty things um flying vehicles that sort of thing yeah um, and specialists are more like snipers uh, kind of units that uh, like maybe like heavy combat like you know ones that are really good at combat then your troops are your standard bog standard infantry tends to be that's where you're having five or ten in a unit um, and then your commanders yeah they're the leaders and you can have multiple commanders and the benefit of that is is you'll get multiple uh, dice you'll get more command dice but also when you're doing your command orders or issuing faction orders the more commanders you've got, the more points you've got, it's kind of more positions, sorry, you've got to issue those orders from. Yeah, it's looks really interesting. Like, I think there's going to be a lot of, lot of, lot of play in it. I think um, there's a lot of scope having having a good army that's painted, you know, not a lot to longer time. Like, I mentioned Kings of War, like I'm painting a second Kings of War army right now, and it's basically a year per army for me, I think. Yeah, I am the same. I, I have, I tend to, for Kings of War, I have, I like to do one army project a year, uh, and I mean, normally that army project is more goblins, but sometimes it can be actually. Like last year I did salamanders. Uh, uh, this year I think I'll probably actually do firefight. But yeah, I've done force of the abyss, dwarfs, all sorts for kings. But of yeah, I reckon I can I can I can crack out a firefight army maybe 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 a month. Yeah, I, I, I mean I did uh, I did my enforcers in uh, lockdown. Lockdown was great for hobbying for me. I got loads done, but um, I think that took me. Maybe a couple of months. Once I'd got my paint scheme sorted down, it was about yeah, about that. So yeah, not long at all, really. How much terrain do you have in this game? Um, so I guess it does depend on the scenario because some scenarios will specify that you need buildings. Um, but generally, it's not as 
terrain heavy as something like uh, Dead Zone, where you know t- the terrain is almost like the third player in some ways because it's so implicit, so, so 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 integral to the game. In terms of terrain, I'd probably say it's a bit like Kings of War, you know, two blocking obstacles, some hinder, you know, some terrain, some obstacles to use for cover. Um, but yeah, it's not overly dense. I think if you've played other sci-fi games, you've you've probably got enough terrain, I think, for this one. Yeah, I think the only sci-fi game I can think of that would have more terrain than this one is probably going to be Infinity, where you need like terrain everywhere, otherwise you're going to die. But I think um, this one, I think certainly, is it, terrain's, terrain's impactful and meaningful. Uh, at the same time, it doesn't dominate the game. I think it's cool. yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you can go inside buildings and you can shoot. You know, you can shoot from buildings. You can use them as sort of defensible fortifications. Um, but then also, you can do things like there's a there's a move called hit the dirt, where even if there's no cover, you can actually you imagine because yes, we all play on battlefields that are totally flat. But obviously, if you were really playing, if you were really fighting out in the battlefields, there'd be hit little hills and all sorts. So if you can hit the dirt you are in cover so there isn't that reliance on okay okay i always need to have some terrain that acts as cover you can make it up are there any events planned for it anytime soon yes i think actually um one of the guys down south has already got like one of the first uh firefight tournaments organized and i think once we've once we've got the launch done i think we'll look at doing something at mantic hq because we've got enough room there to do a you know a small event we were talking actually about having kind of a launch weekend and that might be that we'll try and get our pathfinders out to different stores, you know, ones that are local to them to make sure people can do demos and, and give us give, take it for a spin. So there we go. That's Firefight. It looks pretty interesting um, in terms of its speed of play, um, sort of the way you sort of you can sort of um, counteract each of each of the game plans by interrupting the activations and reacting to things. And um, not too many models and um, lots of guns. So you can shout sort of noises at each other. Yeah. We're going pew pew and everything else. Yeah, daka daka daka. Daka daka. Is that is that is that copyrighted? Daka daka daka. I don't, well, I don't think so. We we didn't get told off for using it on one of our Facebook posts, so I think it's fine. <laughs> it's not the way of finding out, is it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah. we if didn't we get sued this. last time for saying this thing, so yeah. that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's fine. It's probably it probably is. It's probably it's fine. I mean, maybe the, maybe the season system be in the post. It could be. Yeah, I'll probably get back to work this week and there'll be something waiting on my desk for me. So like what, two very angry lawyers looking at you. <laughs> until then, I'll, until I'll, then uh, I'll live in ignorance. <laughs> okay, well, um, anything else to say about this game? To just justify it? To justify it? Wow, let's go. No, I think, I think we've covered it all. I think this is if you want a fast-paced sort of tactical war game where you haven't got your head buried in a book or, or you haven't got your head buried in multiple books, potentially, you know, there's only two rule books. You've got two books here, which is the rule book and the forceless book. Uh, and that contains all the armies. Well, also presumably to, sorry to interrupt you, presumably um, there'll also be the um, easy army is available for it. Yeah. So easy army is in testing now. So, so that, that, we'll you want to that, that basic mantic has a, uh, effectively a, a army list generator online, which is very good. Yeah, yeah, and that that'll be ready for launch. Well, the launch. Let's call it the launch window, just in case it's not available day <laughs> one. Uh, but that's being tested at the minute, and yeah, I think, and that adds to it as well. You know, you can have your army list there. But uh, yeah, we just we really wanted to create something that's fun to play, and you know, gives us gives us plenty of room in the future to expand it with different stuff and and different forces. So yeah, keep an eye on it, and there's plenty more to come for Firefight. Brilliant. Um... On that bombshell, um, I'll say goodbye.
goodbye to me. Bye. <laughs> Bye.